Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on January the 4th here, our first podcast episode of 2020. Hopefully, this finds all of you back into the swing of things after enjoying the holiday cookies and treats and drinks from New Year's and the time with friends and family. Hopefully, you got a chance to slow down and unwind a little bit. Admittedly, this is the busiest I have ever been during this time of the year, but I'm very blessed and, and thankful for that. And even with that said, I got a little bit of downtime on Christmas Day and New Year's Day where I didn't punch it at my typical you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours a day just going crazy. I actually could slow down and be mindful and, and really do some what I call normal human things that I often don't make time to do. Because at the end of the day, nobody's telling me to be here but me. And uh, so that was nice, and hopefully you guys got to do the same. And so since it's the, you know, kind of new year, new you resolution kick stuff, which admittedly myself, I don't uh, put a lot of stock into it because I don't think January the 4th has any more power over August the 4th, but anything that gets the average person to start something new and be refreshed and have a sense of inspiration or motivation to achieve new things or transform, if you will, uh, I'm all for it. And since I got so many requests on this topic and things surrounding it, I'm going to talk about, you know, getting financially fit in 2020, which I thank you guys for listening in the requests. And my goal this year is to get to many more of your requests, as long as the entire audience uh, is kind of in agreement and they enjoy it. And I'll I can see that by the analytics and what you guys obviously send me and message me. So I appreciate all the comments and feedback. It truly does mean a lot. And it was, I don't want to say funny, but it struck me as odd that so many of you enjoyed me talking about the financial stuff um, for the fact of obviously, you know, quote unquote, I'm a fitness guy. But at the end of the day, like we're all humans and we're all, you know, well-rounded as we can be. And so I, it's something I'm very passionate about because obviously you know, growing up dead broke with no money to being this person today, I feel like something I can speak on. And I think at some point I'm going to do a fitness and finance kind of program mirrored together if I can get enough interest from the public. I just have like one or two financial goals I want to achieve myself and see how that plays out and uh, be able to share my story with you because I don't want to talk about anything I have never done before. I want to be a 100% practitioner of it. I want to be able to share it in detail. But the amazing thing for me is I've lucky enough to meet some really smart people uh, financially over the past 11, 12 years, and I've learned so much from them. I've begged, borrowed, and stealed everything, and the probably the biggest thing I've learned from them is all the stupid shit they did, all the dumb stuff that they've done, all the things they've told me not to do uh, with my money, and that has probably helped more than anything other than my old man being very uh, fiscally you know, frugal and uh, responsible, so... This is a request by many of you. Oh, and also, what I'm going to do this year is talk to a lot of our athletes and clients who have went through transformations themselves, and not just the you know fitness and training aspect of it, but overall. So some of the people who have had some real life struggles, maybe they've you know went through a divorce, maybe they've lost a child, maybe they've battled you know cancer, and they've come out on the other end. And obviously, the people we've worked with who have lost you know. 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150 pounds, kind of share their story so you can hear from them. I think that's much more motivating than just hearing me ramble on and sharing their stories. I want you to, you know, quote unquote, hear it from the horse's mouth. And for me, I don't need a lot of motivation. Um, 
I do what I do because I, I choose it to, to be happy every day. That's what motivates me is just how can I make my selfishly make my own life, you know, as fun and as fulfilling as possible. And then the byproduct is it does help a lot of you guys. But I always resonated with the people who had it the roughest and who came out on the other end. Not that to saying when you're born super rich and you're trying to improve on the station your parents gave you isn't hard because it is its own struggle. I just know I could never relate to it because I wasn't born with a trust fund and born with parents who could pay for all the shit I wanted to do. So um, I'm an underdog kind of guy and I, I tend to root for those people. And I think you guys are going to resonate with a lot of the folks I bring on. So that is my plan for 2020. But since it's the new year and there's new goals, let's talk about you guys getting financially fit in 2020. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, I'm not a fiduciary. Um, I don't work for a brokerage. I'm just a dude who grew up dead broke. And a decade ago, I had a negative net worth. And now I am this person you are listening to today who is about 90 days from paying off his house and being 100% completely debt free to the world. And just in my mind, you know, balling out of control in terms of where I came from to where I am today. So that's the position I'm speaking on. And uh, if you're like many Americans, you know, getting financially fit, and again, I know there's a lot of you listening who are in, you know, Canada and other countries. Again, I appreciate you guys. But this applies to you as well. I just use America because this is where we live. And I think us as Americans, and this is the, in my opinion, the greatest country there is. But man, we do a lot of dumbass shit with our money. Like we buy a lot of dumb stuff. We try to... Con- Pete with the Joneses, we buy, you know, three, four car garages and vehicles and we buy a bunch of shit we can't afford that we really don't need to impress people we really don't like and I don't understand it, but yet is what we do uh, at scale. And if you're not doing that, respect. I appreciate you guys. Welcome uh, to being outside of the matrix. But for most Americans, I think uh, being financially fit falls into like the top two categories of resolutions right next to, you know, being physically fit. And uh, just like physical fitness, conquering bad financial habits can be much easier when you have a coach, a community, accountability, and a support group. And I'm going to walk you guys through this. This is a handful of posts that I've done before, some of the stuff from my financial advisor, and obviously the people here that I associate with and speak to who kind of live in that, I don't want to say conservative world with their money, but the people who are actually millionaires and the people who have done it. And on a side note, I think what the average person thinks a millionaire looks like and moves like is a lot different than the reality of it. I think a lot of people think those who are millionaires are the ones driving Lamborghinis and living in seven, you know, thousand square foot houses on mountains and always taking vacations nonstop. And admittedly, that is what some millionaires look like. But I would argue with you, the average millionaire looks like a dude like me who lives in what I would consider a nice house, but nothing super crazy. He drives a car, but it's probably used, and he bought it used for that matter. And he doesn't spend a ton of money on designer goods and stuff. Now, I'm not saying there's a problem with that. What I'm telling you is that's what the average millionaire looks like. The number one car the average millionaire drives is like a Toyota Camry or like a Honda Accord. These are just stats. I'm just sharing with you the facts and reality. The average millionaire's home is probably between, you know, 300,000 and maybe 600,000 if they go crazy. That's just the reality and the stats. So, I'm coming at you from a place of just reality. And so if you find yourself struggling with with finances and maybe budgeting and money, I'm going to share with you some very basic tips that my wife and I have used over the years 
that have helped us a never acquire debt other than the personal mortgage on our home which will be eradicated here in about 90 days uh, and again this is a lot like the fitness information that I share it's not super sexy uh, I'm not going to say it's super easy but it works and it's the only thing that I found that works for long-term sustainability and lifestyle and what I found just like with physical fitness if you're willing to put in the work up front you are going to see so much payoff down the road. It's the same thing with the finances. If you're willing to give up a little bit today and live a life like most people would never consider living, later on you're going to be able to live a life like they never could. And it's basically just you know doing the work up front and getting the payoff a little bit later down the road. And that might be a year from now, three years from now, or five years from now. But if someone told you, hey, if you work really hard for a year, or two years, the next 20 years, you can be in amazing shape. Would you do it? You'd be like, well, sure. The problem is with with fitness, it's way hard. It doesn't work that way. You got to continually do it. And not that with the money, you don't have to, but with the money, you have so much more leeway. Um, and you can fuck around a little bit more once you've acquired it, where with fitness, you kind of always have to put in the work. So with that said, the first thing I would tell you guys to do, if financial goals are something you want to achieve in 2020 or accomplish, Think about what you want to get done, first of all, in the next 12 months. And I think what a lot of people do is they get overwhelmed and they get bombarded and they look at all their debt or they look at their crazy goals and they get deterred by them because it feels like it's so overwhelming. They're almost like drowning in it, right? So ask yourself one, what do you want to get done in the next 12 months? What most people do, just like with fitness, we overestimate what we can do in three months, but we underestimate what we can do in a year. We overestimate what we can do in 90 days, but we underestimate what we can do in a year or two years. And people say, oh, it's a year, Jeremy. Is it really that long? Ask yourself, last year probably felt like it flew by, right? And now you're here. And my wife and I, again, I've showed this before, we have a chart of how we're paying our house down. And as I look at it, I'm like, here's, what, here's how much I want to get done in 12 months. We did so much more than that in the same 12-month time frame because momentum is real. Momentum is a real thing, especially when you can see legitimate traction and progress, and it snowballs into some amazing things. If you guys follow Dave Ramsey, how they do the debt payoff stuff, they do the debt snowball. They go debt smallest to largest, that's how they pay them off. So if you have like credit cards, student loans, mortgage, car payment, all this shit, you pay the smallest debts off first, and it builds momentum. It's, it's nothing else, I'm sure there is scientific studies on it actually, of, of how it affects the brain, whether it releases like dopamine because it's like a high you get as you're kind of chasing it. But honestly, once you can see some of these things start to get paid off, if that's what you guys are at, if you have credit card debt and car loan debt and, all, and student loans, all this shit, once you can see that start to roll, it's like a drug, it's like adrenaline. It's like when you see, oh, I lost 14 pounds on the scale. I lost 3% body fat on the scale. My pant size went down eight inches. It's addicting, just like anything else is. So ask yourself, do you want to save 100 bucks per paycheck? Do you want to pay off the lingering credit card debt or student loans? Do you want to max out your you know, IRA or Roth IRA or, or 401k contributions? Do you want to remodel your kitchen? Do you want to you know, move up in house or move up in car? Consider your personal goals and the goals of your family. If you're married and you have kids and things, maybe it's saving for kids' college, depending on you know what part of the financial journey you're on right now. 
But every good strategy for finances starts with a written plan of attack. Again, like all things we talk about, writing your goals down matters. Now, is that sexy? No. Is it fun? No. And is it going to seem daunting? I can promise you it will. When my wife and I just sat at our kitchen one day and said, you know what? I'm like, fuck it. It wasn't like this, you know, crazy thing. I'm like, I go, fuck it. Can we maybe pay off our house in the next two years? And we're like, I don't know, man. That seems like a lot. And we're looking at the numbers. And I'm like, we'd have to do this much per month, every month. And I'm like, man, that seems like, well, if we did it, maybe we could do it in two years. Maybe it would take us 30 months. And it feels like, man, that's going to be forever. And also now we're, you know, 13 months in and I probably only have two or three months to go. And it's like, holy shit, we're almost there. Now it seems like it's real. But writing it down at first was the key and writing it down month by month by month. And then we said, okay, within, inside this month, how much extra can we do? What can we, you know, go without? What can we slot in? You know, obviously taking into account emergencies and normal, quote unquote, what I call life shit that's going to bog you down. But writing it down and having a set plan, even if you don't follow it to a T because life kicked you in the nuts, it's better than not writing it down. Because if you don't write it down, I can almost promise you with certainty it will not happen. You write down your fitness goals. You write down your relationship goals. You write down your goals at work. They give you, you know, probably a metric at work. Here's your financial goals or here's your matrix you have to follow. And if you hit these numbers, you'll get this much of a raise. If you don't hit these numbers, you'll get written up. If your business is doing it and the place where you work has been in business for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's for a reason. Do the same thing with your own personal finances for you and your family. I promise you it makes a difference. Second thing, you probably have to cut out some of the shit or, you know, trim the fat as they say. So ask yourself, for you out there who you've kind of let just spending run amok, and the way I look at being overweight is to look the same way I look at being in debt, right? If you are 50 pounds overweight, 100 pounds overweight, you didn't just get there in a day, in a week or a month, and odds are you didn't even get there in a year, but slowly over time, the little things started to creep up and add up, and all of a sudden, five, six, seven pounds a year over five to 10 years, you find yourself in the position you're in. Most of you with the finances, it's the same. Now, you might have one glaring thing. You might have a, an auto loan out for 50000 bucks, and you only make $70,000 a year. I think that's a pretty stupid fucking purchase, right? If you make seventy k a year and you have $50,000 in vehicles sitting in your garage or driveway that are depreciating assets on motors and wheels, I think that's a bad way to spend your money. But for most of you, it's probably not that. It's probably little things that have been bogging you down. So look at... Do a budget, first of all. If you guys don't do a written budget like every month, I would urge you to take you know, 30 minutes a month or an hour a month to sit down with your husband or wife and really budget your money. Where is it coming in and where is it going out? And have basically give every dollar an assignment or every dollar a name. If you don't, you tend to spend it. Uh, I know that for a fact. I know if my wife and I weren't on this journey right now and we didn't get this diligent, as frugal and responsible as I am, we would have spent money on a bunch of dumb shit. Not that we wouldn't have any money saved in the bank, but nowhere near what we've paid off on the principal of our home at this point. Because we became very focused, very diligent, we gave every single dollar a purpose every single month. So when you look at your budget, which I would urge all of you to do, and if you don't, just ask yourself this. Not to get serious, you're spending your lifetime working at a job. 
and a lot of you listening out there are spending time working your lifetime, your time that you could be breathing and having sex and playing sports and hanging out with your kids and drinking beers with your buddies, your fun time, which is your lifetime, you're spending your lifetime working at a job for money, right? So the only, and some of you don't like what you do for a living. It's just the reality. Or you you tolerate it, but you don't love it, right? You wouldn't do this shit for free. You're doing it for the paycheck. So meaning you're spending your lifetime, the most precious commodity you have at a job for money, and you're getting money back in return for your time, which again is the most important commodity you have. Then you're spending your money on who knows what, a bunch of dumb shit. Because if you're not budgeting it, you don't really know where the money is going or how much of it is going out and when it's going out. So what I would urge you to do is, in your budget, look at what you can eliminate that will bring you closer to your goal. Maybe you have 15 subscriptions to streaming services you never watch. Now, I'm not saying cut out Netflix and everything else, but I'm like, if you have like Netflix and Hulu and HBO and Spotify and Pandora and insert nine other subscriptions, you probably can get rid of a couple of them. And as dumb as that sounds, well, Jeremy, that's only going to save me 77 bucks a month. If that adds up to be about a thousand bucks a year, isn't it worth it? I think so. Some of you, can you make dinner at home instead of always eating out? Now, I'm not saying never go out to dinner and never celebrate and do fun things, but you'd be surprised how quick that stuff adds up compared to a lot of you just cooking at home. Sometimes it's cheaper to go out More often than not, it's probably cheaper to eat at your house, depending on how you're preparing food and how many people you have to serve. I'll say this. Last year, my wife and I went out to dinner so much less than we ever have in our entire life, and that literally added up to thousands and thousands of dollars. And I don't feel we eat out one-fourth of as much as the average person does. In fact, we rarely do. For us to go out to dinner during the week would be like a freak anomaly thing that almost never happens. So we're talking solely on the weekends, and if that, it's maybe once per weekend. And us cutting that down from what we would normally do, if we normally go out to eat 40 times a year, if we went out to eat last year 10 times per year, that's a huge number in terms of savings and money. And if you guys are trying to truly get out of debt and be financially independent, I would say giving up going out to fancy dinners for a year or two, or at least cutting back the number from, you know, cutting it in half even, will save you thousands of dollars that you can work on paying off your student loans or credit cards or saving money for a house or kids' college or whatever you're choosing to do. Also, for you guys out there, if you're in the credit card game and you use them for points and rewards, I'm okay with that as long as you're paying it every single month. If you're paying interest on credit cards, I think that's one of the dumber things a human can do because these guys are literally worse than like the mafia in terms of interest rates and and what they do to you and they start to own you and then you get to the point where you're so upside down in the interest game that you're making these minimum payments and you're not even touching the principal and just compounds and it compounds and it compounds and you don't want that to happen. What you'll notice in life is when you start to acquire money in any, you know, semblance of wealth, whether your net worth is a million dollars or two million dollars or three million dollars, it's when you can start to have those accounts work in your favor for you and opposed to against you. So meaning your money is earning interest and you're not paying interest. That's the biggest thing. That's why my wife and I are on the journey to pay off our home because I'm like, well, I don't want to be paying anybody interest for their money. I want them to be paying me interest for my money, whether that be in the market and the S&P um, whether it be just you know in money market funds or just even even if I was getting two percent interest on my money, which is dog shit, 
I would rather be getting 2% than paying 3, 4, 5, 6, 7% to somebody else. And if you're talking credit cards, you're talking paying in the 20%. And that's going to cripple you guys over time. And it's small. Again, as small as these things seem, they add up and compound over time to be huge, huge rips. The next thing, just like your physical fitness, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be fit, if you want to be financially independent and get your ass out of debt, developing healthy habits is crucial. If you find that you have trouble saving money, I would remove the temptation from your life to spend it. Now, how do I do that? Well, it's not possible to do it at 100%, just like it isn't you know, possible to remove yourself from all the food and drinks and things in the world. But what we do at our house is, if I don't want to get fatter, if I don't want to gain a bunch of shit weight, I don't keep junk food in my house. That's why my wife and I struggle around the holidays when people bring things over or we get things for gifts. We have like nuts and cookies and cakes around. All of a sudden we find ourselves digging our hands in there and we just feel a little bit fluffier or, you know, quote unquote, fuller or gains for all my, my lifting folks out there. Um, you just, if it's around and you're tempted by it, it just puts you in a position to be unsuccessful. So what I'm saying is if you have trouble saving money, Remove the temptation or put yourself in an environment to be successful. Well, what does that look like, Jeremy? Well, having money directly deposited from a checking account into a savings account or an investment account before you can spend it is probably the easiest way to do it. So if you find yourself going through like periods of like extreme spending and then like extreme saving, consider the role your emotions play in your finances. And so before you make these, you know, quote unquote, like non-essential purchases, give yourself, you know, if you can, like a day or two to think about it to ensure it's something you really want and you really need. Um, I don't go into stores and I don't emotionally buy things. If I go in to buy a pair of jeans, I buy a pair of jeans, which my wife's going to crush me here because that never happens. Um, She actually has to go in and do it for me because I just hate doing retail stuff. But if I go in, I go into a store like the Terminator. I walk in, I'm there to kill John Connor and I'm not there to do anything else until I complete my mission. So if I go in to buy a pair of shoes, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes. You're not going to sell me some glasses and a watch and a shirt because I only have one thing in mind because the budget is set for this and it's set for this only. And for you guys out there listening, the direct deposit stuff and the auto draft is probably the easiest thing you could ever do. So like my wife's stuff, for example, she works for a giant corporation. Her stuff is just automatically deducted from her check. So for her, for example, we have... Her company has a Roth 401k option, and I believe now in 2020, you can do $19,000 per year is what they could take. So if that's what you're committing to, or if you're saying, okay, I can commit 100 bucks a week to my retirement, whatever you guys are comfortable with doing, if you want my reference point, I would think you know 15% of your income is probably ideal. If you can do more, do more. If you want to do less, do less, whatever you feel you need and whatever age you want to retire at. But the point I'm driving at is, if you're committed to saving 100 bucks a week, to retirement or per every paycheck you can save 10% of your salary have that automatically just set up so you don't even see it so it automatically goes to your you know 401k which my, my wife's is a Roth 401k it just goes there automatically and then if you get the company match boom even better but have it automatically set up to come out of your account or if you have separate IRAs on your own if you're self-employed you've got like a self-employment pension fund or you have a Roth IRA for example or an IRA have it directly come out of your checking account um, like the 15th of every month or the 10th of every month and it just goes there. And you know you have to have the you know 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, 600 bucks committed to it so it just goes automatically. 
So you don't even have to think about it. And you're committed to doing it every single month. And when you create your budget, you're budgeting that from your salary as well. Does that make sense? I do think the auto drafts do help you create healthy habits. And just know you're committing to saving this much for savings, this much for paying off debt, this much for retirement, this much for you know going out to dinner or leisure activities or however you're choosing to spend your money, just give every dollar a name. And the auto draft is so basic and so simple. You do it for your Verizon bill, you do it for your you know uh, electric bill, do it for your retirement too. Do it for your savings as well or have it auto draft from your checking account to a money market account. So you get at least a little bit of interest on your money if you're saving and you need the liquid cash for something that's coming up sooner than later. That would be my take for that. And again, uh, I know somebody had asked a question the other day, like, Jeremy, what's the difference like between a Roth IRA and an IRA? Just so we're crystal clear here when I say Roth stuff, you guys, if, if you don't know, get a financial advisor or, or somebody who can manage your money. Or if you're not, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll give you my two cents on it. But your Roth IRA for you guys is just the money that you're paying the tax on it today. And it, it just grows tax-free. So meaning it's already the tax dollars. You paid it today. And when you retire, it's your money. So if you have a Roth IRA, excuse me, a Roth IRA set up and there's a million bucks in it when you're 59 and a half, guess what? It's a million bucks. You don't pay tax on it because you already paid the tax on it. So it's growing you don't got to pay the tax. Now, if you're doing a normal Roth, it's going to help you with your taxes up front because you don't pay it till you get tax on it at a later date. So for if, you're, if you want my two cents, if you're listening out there and you guys can qualify for a Roth, meaning you don't make too much money or your company offers it, always do the Roth option first. I think you guys literally will crush it in terms of being able to retire with so much, so much tax-free money. So those are my real quick tips for you guys if you're looking to get financially fit like in 2020. But a lesson with money here in general, it's not about how much money you make. And yeah, your income is a huge driving factor in terms of you acquiring wealth. But a lot of the people that I have met over the past 15 years, some of them are really high earners. Some of them make a decent living. And there's not that big of a net worth difference between the two. Because I don't think it matters how much money you make. Now, if you're making 22,000 bucks a year, sure. If you go from 22 to 75, it's a pretty big difference. If you go from 50 to 60, not a huge difference. If you go from 120,000 to 150,000, it's not that big of a difference. So if you don't make anything, sure, the income level matters. But if you make 25K a year or you make 85K a year, if you make 250K a year or 500K a year, the key is to growing your wealth you have to use your money to make money and you have to live below your means. That's probably the two simplest basic things I could tell you. A, live below your means. So meaning if you make 100,000 bucks a year, don't spend 110. I don't even believe I need to say that out loud, but some people are living that way. And in fact, most people are. When you look at your neighborhood, 75% of people are living kind of check to check. So that means like seven out of 10 people you know, if they didn't get a paycheck coming in that week, um, they're in a panic, in a struggle. Not saying they might you know, lose their house or lose everything in an instant, but they probably couldn't survive for more than two or three months without getting paid. And that's on a whole other side. And if you guys do have any common sense, I would say save an emergency fund of maybe, you know, depending on how conservative you are, three, six, 
months of expenses somewhere in there. You just have an emergency fund built in case you know your car breaks down or your hot water heater blows up or you need a new roof or whatever. You have three or you lose your job. You have three to six months of salary saved up while you look for a new job to earn income. But the way you really can have money work for you is understanding that your money should make more money. So stop paying people interest. Start getting your money to grow interest. I know it sounds very basic, but yet most people don't do that. They're paying interest on a car loan. They're paying interest on credit cards. They're paying interest on student loans. And they're paying interest on their home loans. Life does not have to operate that way. I grew up broke as fuck. That's not how my life operates today. You can change your family tree. You can change the way that you live your life and your family lives your life if you're just responsible. And then once you get out of that shitstorm, now your money can start making money for you. So the two biggest things, one, spend less money than you make. Two, try to get your money to make money for you, even if it's three to 5% per year, or if you trend the market or the S&P, six, seven, eight, 9% over the lifespan of it, I think you're gonna be doing okay. And that's what I'm saying is, that's why I talk about little things like cutting subscriptions or maybe you know eating uh, less dinners out or going to less happy hours because you don't really understand how much money you're losing because you don't see it for what it really is. And the example I've shared before on the podcast is this. If you're a person who likes to go out and drink socially or have dinners, I'm okay with it. Having fun with friends and family and doing special occasions, I'm all for it. But doing it every single weekend when you don't really have the money to do it is overkill. Now, if you're listening to me and say, well, Jeremy, I got a fucking $2 million net worth. Well, I'm not talking to you. But most people don't have that. Most people struggle and they don't know how to get out of that struggle. And it's the little habits, rituals, and routines. Just like people, you know you should spend less than you make. You know you should eat right and exercise. Yet people aren't doing it because sometimes it's the little tactics that they're missing and they think it's the magic pillar of the home run and they'd rather spend you know, six months searching for the magic answer as opposed to just doing the work. So if you go out and have drinks every weekend, you have three cocktails at your, your fanciest favorite bar. They're about 15 bucks a piece, or at least in Scottsdale here where I live, they are. If you go out and, you know, have a vodka soda, you go out and have like a whiskey, you go out and have like a fancy, you know, a wine at a normal steakhouse or your restaurant, they're about 15 bucks a piece. Some of them a little bit more, some a little bit less. But for the sake of this, we'll say 15 bucks a piece. And let's say you have three drinks um, every weekend at 15 bucks a piece. If you just would have took that same money over 52 weeks, and invested it at, let's say, a 7% return, which I think most of you, if you have decent uh, mutual funds or IRAs or retirement plans, they can probably get you 7% of your money, I would say. If you took that same money you spent on drinks for 52 weeks and invested it at 7% over the next 40 years, so if you're 25 right now at 65, you'd probably have about $480,000. Pretty crazy, right? Now I'm talking about 45 bucks a week. That's not a ton of money to end up growing to give you about half a million dollars. If you only did that for 20 years and it only netted you, I don't know, 180K, still pretty sweet, right? Just by giving up going out to super fancy drinks every single weekend. That's what I'm talking about here. It's the little things that we sometimes overlook that think, ah, it doesn't add up. But by you guys saving 50 bucks a week every single week towards your retirement until you want to retire, It'll add up to be so much money, it's insane. And the crazy thing that happens is once you do that, again, like I talked about before, the snowball effect, 
it starts to add up and roll on itself. And all of a sudden, well, I do 50, I can probably do 55, I can probably do 60. All of a sudden, now you're saving a thousand bucks a month. And you can see that wealth start to really grow. And then you can own it, and then you can pick and choose where you want to spend your money. But don't be fooled, right? I know people think it's this, you know, oh, you have to be born rich or you have to have some insane idea. It's not the reality. I know so many people who have done it the exact same way that I've done it. And you guys know me. I'm not a money guy. I don't make business decisions, which I know a lot of people probably, it it would drive them crazy for me to say this. I don't make business decisions just based on money. I make them based on happiness. I make them based on lifestyle and what I want to do. And that's how I purchase things and that's how I buy things. and That's how I operate here. I know I make less money as a business by not doing it just based off numbers. But I do it based off of my happiness, how I sleep at night, and how I make other people feel. In the same note, I can still acquire as much wealth as I want to operating that way because I'm not dumb with the money that I make. The example I give you is this. If you give two people a thousand bucks each, and one of that, you know, one of the people invests it wisely and makes 350 bucks in their money. And the other person spends 700 bucks on an iPhone on vacation. And they're going, they're taking their cool photos, they're doing their things. Now that person has 300 bucks. One of the people looks like they're winning. And the other one is on the path to actually winning with money. And that's why I say you can't keep up with the Joneses and you can't do this social media highlight reel of shit because one person, well, they got their fancy iPhone, they went and they took their trip, and now they have no money left. And the other person invested it in, you know, made 350 bucks off their money. They're on their way to acquiring wealth where the other person actually has no wealth. Now, I'm not saying don't invest in experiences and take trips, but there's a certain time in your life for certain things. And what I've found is people don't want to be patient uh, with fitness for sure. Uh, but especially with money as well. They don't want to be patient with the things that they want. They want to be 30 years old and live in their quote-unquote dream house that costs three million bucks, yet they have not earned anywhere near that. They want to be 26 years old and drive the fanciest car possible on a lease, yet they really can't afford it if they want to be financially independent. You get where I'm driving at here? Sometimes it's a patience game. And I think if you're willing to do things correctly in the right way, all the things that you want in terms of materialistic possessions and when you want to retire, where you want to travel, how you want to live your life and not be stressed, you can have them and more. And if you're patient, you'll get there. And if you're patient, it will be a blessing and not a burden. I've talked about this briefly before. If I would have done all the dumb stuff that like a bank said I could do or society said I should do or could do, All the material things I want to buy in my life would be burdens to me right now. They would not be blessings to me in the future. And as painful as it might be up front and as frustrating because you see the rest of the world winning and doing things, you just have to be true to your North Star and ask yourself, if I buy this and do this, is it going to make me feel super happy and excited? Not just the moment that you buy it, but a year from now, three years from now, and five years from now. Or are these materialistic things going to be stressing me out? Or are they going to be like an anchor and a weight that's holding me down in my life? That's how I make financial decisions. That's honestly how I make every fucking decision in my life is how happy can I be? Because yeah, money matters and it's important and we live in an economical world and 
Money can buy you a sense of security and it can buy you time in certain instances in terms of like alleviating what you can and can't do for certain things. But don't let the things you own end up owning you. And I think a lot of people do that without even realizing it. I would never in my life wake up and go to a job I fucking hate to pay for a car and for a house. That seems ridiculous to me. I would live in the cheapest place possible as long as it was safe and I wasn't like in danger. And I would drive the shittiest car possible as long as it was reliable and got me places. If it meant I didn't have to stress out about my job and about the money to afford those things. And again, I'm not judging anybody, but that's me and that's how I operate. I would rather be happy. And I think a lot of people think, you know, money buys certain things. But it's what it doesn't make you feel more than what it makes you feel, right? Like, so if you use it correctly, when you buy things, it's a blessing and not a burden. And if you use money correctly, it's what you don't feel every single night as opposed to what you do feel. I think people think like, oh, if you become a millionaire or you pay off your house or you pay off this or you pay off that, they're gonna, there's going to be a party and a parade. And there's not. When my wife and I write our last check to pay off her house, there's not going to be a party. No one's going to celebrate. We'll post about it and share it with you guys and not to brag, but to motivate you and show you that you could do it too if you choose to go that route in your life and how much independence and freedom it gives you. But what it does to you, it causes you to stress less or not stress at all about money. That's what it can do for you. And again, that doesn't come in the form of a Lamborghini or a $6 million house. It comes in the form of you being able to sleep on a Wednesday night because you're not stressed about paying bills. It comes to you being relaxed when something goes wrong and you need new tires on your car or your hot water heater blows up and you can just pay for it in cash. You don't have to put it on a credit card and pay that you get a bonus to cover the bill. You just do it and you don't worry about it. That to me, you guys, is what being responsible with money is. That to me is what being financially fit is. And that's what I think most people who have acquired wealth will tell you. At least that's been my experience and I think it will be the same for you. And again, I'm not against buying a fancy house. If you have earned it, you deserve it. And again, I'm not against driving a car. In America, we love cars. Our car culture here is insane. And like we love vehicles. And I think sometimes we associate the car we drive with, you know, who we are as a person. And I'm not judging anybody for that. But do it when you can afford it. Do it when you don't have to finance it. Do it when it doesn't stress you out. Then you'll really enjoy it for what it's supposed to be. At least that's how I think and feel about it. And I know it'll be frustrating uh, for my wife and I if we do choose to move because we're going to cash flow the difference. I'm never taking a loan up from the bank again uh, to buy a home. And I'm not judging anybody who does. I'm just in a position now in my life where I don't have to. And so if we choose to move up in house, we're going to have to cash flow that. And that's probably would be cash flowing the difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars, which thinking about doing it doesn't sound super fun, but I know if we did it that way, we wouldn't stress out about it and it wouldn't cause us pain and agony. We wouldn't have a mortgage over our heads. We wouldn't have to pay interest to other people. So our money would be going exactly what it's going for. So if I bought a house for a million bucks, I paid a million bucks. I didn't pay 1.6 million for it over the course of 30 years. That's what I don't want to do. And that's the last point I'll touch. And I don't think people want to really look at when you buy a home, if you guys are buying one like on a 30-year mortgage, which I would urge you to do a 15 if you can afford it, or get a 30 and pay it like a 15, which you have the option to do, I don't think you understand if you buy a house for you know 500,000 bucks and you paid over the course of 30 years, you're probably going to end up paying about a million bucks for your house. 
just because the interest is going to crush you, especially the first 15, 20 years. I mean, 30 years is a long time, right? So if you're listening to me and you're 40 years old and you take out a 30-year mortgage, and again, I'm not judging you, you won't pay that shit off till you're 70 if you ain't making extra payments. And do you really want to be making a house payment on something you bought 28 years after the fact? I don't want to. That's why I chose this route and went this way. And again, I'm not a genius. I just follow people who have made a lot of mistakes and the people here that I work with who have acquired way more wealth than me and I see what they've both done wrong and what they've done right. And I take it from a very, I'm a Midwestern guy who grew up with a very frugal, responsible dad who always taught me, you don't buy shit you can't afford. You don't put things on credit cards unless you can pay them off instantly. And his only goal for that was to build credit. So if I did ever need a loan, I could get one, but he put the fear of God in me like, hey, you're a man. Your word is everything. So if you say you're going to pay this bill, you fucking pay this bill. And how life works in the house that I grew up in with him was like, hey, you go to work and you have a job and you pay your bills first and you put some money into savings. And if you got anything else left over, that's your money to spend on fun stuff. And that's what I had ingrained in my head since I was probably seven years old. And it's, it's done me pretty well to this point. And I don't think it can fill you guys either. So, again, I'm not saying don't go experience things. My wife and I have been fortunate enough to travel the world and go do fun stuff. And I'm all about spending money on experiences over things. And not that we don't have nice stuff. But I know if we do it this way, we can have all the quote-unquote stuff we're ever going to want in our life if we're just patient and do it the right way. And then it will actually be a blessing to us. And not a burden. And I know people think, oh, I'm going to have to wait till I'm 35. I'm going to have to wait till I'm 40. Well, you act like when you're 40, you're fucking dead. When you're 40, you're not old. Like with technology in the world today, you probably live till you're 95. So what I tell my wife is all the time too. And she's on, you know, team crazy Jeremy at this point because she sees what kind of life it's going to buy her and what kind of lifestyle it buys her and how much less stress. And we don't argue over the same things I think a lot of normal couples argue about because we don't have the same burdens. We didn't buy ourselves into a life that we couldn't afford. We didn't buy ourselves into a stressful life trying to keep up with a bunch of other people who don't give a shit about us anyway. But what I would say to her all the time is I'm like, Heather, if the worst thing you had to do was work really hard and you didn't get all the shit you wanted in your life until you were 37, 38, or 40 years old, so be it. And if if that meant you had to quote unquote eat shit living where we live, doing what we do now, just being responsible. Again, still having fun along the way, but just not overextending yourself so you could do it in cash, which nobody ever does. And I understand that it is, I sound like a crazy person to many of you guys out there listening, but if you were just patient, you did it that way and you got your dream house at 40 instead of 32, but you paid for it in cash, you never had a payment and you can live the next 86 years of your life like a fucking boss doing what you want, when you want, how you want to do it, not having to stress out about it, I think that was worth it. If it took you to be 39 to get your dream car as opposed to 33, but you could pay for it in cash, and you already had all your other debts paid off, and you had your retirement stuff stacked up, like, to me, doing it when the timing is right is the easier option. Is that sexy? No. Is that fun? No. But you didn't rush the process. You trust the process, and then when the day came... It was so much sweeter because you earned it every step of the way. And you did it a way that it didn't stress you out. You just had to display a level of patience that most people looked at you like you were a lunatic. But to me, that's the only fiscally responsible way you could do it. And above all else, what I'm sharing here, 
when you get financially fit, all of you out there listening who have husbands or wives or kids, you're not just doing it for you to ease your burden every day so you don't stress out and worry about money in case you lose your job or something goes wrong. What you're doing is you're being a responsible partner to your husband or wife. You're being a responsible parent. You're setting them up for success and more is caught than taught in fitness, in nutrition, and especially finance. Your kids will see what you're doing and they'll learn these tips. And my dad, I don't think ever set out to directly teach me these things. And if he did, he was a fucking genius. And maybe he's, you know, just way smarter than I ever realized. But I don't think he ever, when he was saying these things to me, was trying to teach me these lessons directly. It's just how he lived his life. And I would see it and I'm like, well, it seems responsible. And maybe that's, it has to be one of the main reasons why I am the way I am today. It's just a responsible thing to do. And so if I drop dead in three months and my house is paid off, if nothing else, my wife has life insurance coming to her. She has a home that's paid off and she has all the money in retirement accounts and cash that we've stacked up over the years. So I put her in a position to be successful. And if I had kids, I would hope to do the same thing. I wouldn't want to leave the burden on my wife or on a kid or on anybody who's responsible to clean up the fucking lazy mess that I left. And that's another big reason why I think it's important too. It's, yeah, it's for you. And selfishly, it is for me so I can sleep good at night and be inspired and motivated to talk to you guys and share these stories and do these things. Because if I had a bunch of debt hanging over my head and I was stressed out, I would have to run this business way differently. I would have to sell people really hard on doing things that maybe they didn't want to do or or upsell people on things that maybe they didn't need because I was chasing money to pay off debts and I don't have that. So I can operate out of a place of what makes me happiest first, what helps people the most, and then how does it make money on the back end. And I'm in a rare position that a lot of other people aren't in. I'm not a publicly traded company. I don't have to answer to a board or to shareholders or to crazy amounts of bills coming in. I just have to answer to the people. What makes them the happiest? What's going to help them? And how can we provide them value? And, you know, is that worth a certain amount of dollars we are charging for it? And it's a really good place to be in. And I couldn't be in this position today if I went out and bought a bunch of dumb shit I couldn't have afforded on credit that I didn't really need at the time. So it's changed the scope of my life. These very simple tips, they're basic, they're simple, but it took a broke-ass kid who had a negative net worth into the financial stratosphere that I sit in today. And I think it can do the same thing for you guys. Because like I say all the time, many of you are much smarter and much brighter than me. I am just going to follow a simple set of rules and guidelines with my life and display a level of patience and follow through that most people wouldn't want to do. And I don't get swayed very easily by materialistic things. And I'll share a story when our house is paid off of the day that I almost was swayed to do it a little bit differently, but I fought through it and uh, still here to this day on course. So hopefully that helps you guys out there if you're struggling with finances. And I, I speak about this with as much passion as I do because I grew up dead broke and um, it sucks, dude. And, and you hate to see, you know, your parents, you know, struggle t- to pay bills or struggle with money or have stress about, you know, going to work or going to jobs that they don't like because they have to provide for their families. And I don't want any of you guys to be in that position if you don't have to, because it's a drain on your life and it's an anchor and it changes you. And I share this all the time. The day my dad, you know, lost his job of 33 years, he became a a much more positive person. I wouldn't say he's, you know, Richard Simmons and uh, a ball of positivity by any means, but 
he's a much more content, less stressed human. And when you speak to him, you can just hear in his voice how much happier he is because he's not doing some shit that he hates for to pay off some fucking bills because he paid his house off and it was over. And it's like, it just alleviates so much stress in your life. And I think when you can live life with a, you know, a clear mind and a clear heart, you're not weighed down by things from the world. Life just gets good, man. And you just, you start to see and think about things differently. And that's why I do care about this as much as I, I mean, as close as much as I care about, you know, the physical body and being healthy. It's just like when you're, when you can move good and feel good. And when you don't have, you know, the strains and the stresses of the world tearing you down, um, life is just a lot easier because here's the thing, like you're going to get kicked in the nuts and life's going to punch you in the face regardless outside of all this shit. But if you're fit and you're healthy and you don't have a bunch of, you know, debt, you know, drowning you, it makes those other problems in life not as bad. They're still going to suck and they're still going to be there and shitty stuff will still kind of, you know, take place. But if you really can eliminate all the other junk uh, from life and what I mean by that is like debt that you don't need to have, your life will be pretty amazing. At least that's been my experience and I believe it'll be the same for all of you so hopefully you guys enjoyed that just my quick tips to get you know financially fit in 2020 if you guys want to hear things more specifically on this i'm happy to share them i got a lot of fitness stuff coming down the pipe that's heavy detailed plus the interviews and i'll get my wife back on here as well but uh, again if you guys want to hear something specific shoot me a message send me a dm i'm happy to record it if you are on itunes right now stop do not be a lazy ass. Drop me a five star. Leave me a comment. I truly would appreciate it. And if you're obviously on your MacBook or your iPad, click the iTunes icon, hit ratings and reviews, five star. Leave me a message. I truly do appreciate it. And the biggest thank you you can give me is sharing this with a friend or family member who might be in a financial struggle or they have some hurdles to get through or they're not sure where to start. Give this message to them because I know a long time ago getting turned on to you know the guys like maybe it's like a Chris Hogan or a Dave Ramsey or the other people you know even the Zig Ziglar's of the world the Jim Rohn's the guys who just thought about life a little bit differently not just in finance but in you know mindset in general really started to change the scope of how I thought about things and just hearing a different message even if it's things that we you know fundamentally know at our core Hearing it from a different voice and a different point of view, it might resonate with them, you know, on a level that it hasn't before. And if that changes the scope of their life and helps them, you know, get fit, get healthy, get out of debt, um, you have the power to do that. But just sharing a simple podcast link like this one. So have an amazing rest of your Saturday. You guys got to hop into my workout right now and melt my face off. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys. Keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.